welcome to the ministries of the Bohomi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him in all the earth. And the pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you're about to hear. Distract, the, the greatest distraction to you is yourself. Alright? 
Yes, the greatest distraction to you is yourself. And if the Holy Spirit does not play the main role in your life, then you get yourself messed up all the time. I get myself messed up all the time. And the scripture we read from this morning in the book of St. John, chapter 16, it brings to light and to bear that without the spirit we are really nothing. The flesh promises nothing. That's the word of God to us. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> when the flesh messes up so much that we even wonder if the spirit of God is present. Somebody help me here. You know, I want what we share here today to uh, be with us. We need to live in the awareness of the Spirit of God. Why is that so important? Because the environment is not friendly to us as children of God. Man, somebody help me here. And I, I, want, I want our attention, and, and I'm not going to be long, but I want to remind you that that's why we come together. The reason why we come together, according to the writer of the book of Hebrews, is to stimulate each other, to motivate each other, to remind each other that we are here, but we're not from here. But somebody help me here. And the Spirit, of the, the Spirit of God is the one who serves as the energy in reminding us. Hence the word is saying to us that we should not forsake meeting together. You know, we should be desirous of meeting together. That's how I am sharpened. That's how I am constantly reminded that we are on our, on our way to the celestial city. Amen? The writer of the book of Romans, which is the Apostle Paul, reminds us all the time that God today is working in us and through us by way of his spirit. Sometimes we forget the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that I am not going to be with you all the time. <laughs> Remember when Jesus spoke to the disciples just prior to his crucifixion and then his ascension. He said, I am not going to be with you all the time. But something that is even more shocking, Jesus said to them that it is to your benefit <laughs> that I am not going to be with you all the time. I, I must go away. And what was Jesus actually talking about? You know, these were men who, for the better part of the three years that they spent with Jesus, they interacted with him, they saw, you know, the unusual. They, they saw the abnormal. They saw the supernormal. And here is that person saying to them that I'm no more going to be with you. You know, as far as they are concerned, all hope. Is that there is absolutely nothing to look forward to any longer if you are saying to us that you're going away. But Jesus is saying to them that I'm going away, but I'm going to send you another. Now, another in the original language can mean one of the same or a different time. Right? I'll give you an example. I love mangoes. Right? But I am mindful that mangoes are not too good for me. Meaning, if I take it too much, what it does, it sends up your sugar and we know the business called diabetes. You have to be very careful. But the point I'm making is this. What we call mango long is the most common mango that we see here. Alright? Now, I might be eating some mangoes and I will say, I want another one. Alright? It could be another mango long, or it could be a mango with cake. 
that right? So, so yes, whilst I want another mango, but it is not a mango of the same kind. That's why I gave us St. John chapter 16 so we could read and familiarize ourselves with it. Now, interestingly, because we are creatures of time, the time allotted to us here will not allow us to dive into the scripture and to pull it apart to understand what Jesus was actually talking about. Jesus is saying to them that in my bodily form, I cannot be with you everywhere and every time. Somebody help me here. Right? But I am going away. And I am going to request of my father that he send you another comforter. Now, interestingly, it is not another type, or it's not another kind, but it is another one like me. In other words, it is me. But it is me in spirit form. I need you to understand that. And that's why Jesus said, it is to your benefit that I go away. Because the truth of all the matter is, when I go, it means that my work to you can be fulfilled. That I will be with you always. Whereas in bodily form, I couldn't be with you everywhere always. But in spirit form, I will be with you always. I'm not just with you, but somebody help me here. In you. He is a comforter. He is consoler. He is director. He knows how to regulate, not just our blood pressure, but to just regulate our lives. He's our guide. He's our defense. Someone said he's our bridge over troubled water. He's our stay in turbulent times. In other words, he establishes us. That's why Jesus said that if you have received me, be you rooted. Eh? Wrong. Build up with build up in me. Now it's not possible that you do that by yourself. It is the administrative work of the Spirit of God in you that enables you to take the written word and to apply it to the extent where you can translate it into meaningful action. So to be the light of the world, we need not just Jesus in bodily form. But we need Jesus in spirit form. I haven't seen him, but I know him by way of the spirit. So the word of God tells us, his spirit communicates with our spirit and he does what? He tells us that we are his own. We are his children. Somebody help me here. So that wherever you go, you have the guarantee that Jesus, by way of the Spirit, is always with you. Now, the wonderful thing about it is that let's just look at St. John chapter 16 quickly. Because <laughs> I realize we've used up so much time today. And I, I know that because we are creatures of time, our minds sometimes will wear it. But I just want you to look with me in God's word to observe what I've observed. Now, verse 16 is a continuation of a conversation Jesus had with the disciples just on the eve of his crucifixion. And I've already given you a backdrop as to the nature of the conversation they had. But one interesting thing that I noticed, look at verse 1. 
It says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from, from falling. I hope you see that, from falling away. Somebody help me to keep this version. Let me hear what your version says here. All right. Now, the essence of what Jesus is talking about here, we do not have to go too far to notice the effects of it. Because those who Jesus died, remember what happened? Peter said, well, listen, I don't see that business any longer. I'm going back to you. All right? Now, I want you to notice from the scripture why the Spirit's presence is vital in our lives. Because that's what the Bible tells us. Those of us that we think we are strong, take heed, lest we fall. And what the word is actually saying here is, do not lean on your own understanding, because your own understanding sometimes will betray you. Right? And we've established from God's word that the Holy Spirit of God is He who keeps us in tune with God's agenda. Oh, somebody help me here. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. If you want to remove the Holy Spirit from me, that's it. I am going to fall away. I am going to be so despondent to the point where I am going to say to myself, it's no use continuing whatever it is that I'm doing. The Holy Spirit is He who gives vitality to the life of the child of God. The Holy Spirit is He who gives substance to you. So when you're awake in the morning, you don't just get up from your bed and just walk away. But He reminds you to connect with the Father. It's important. It's important. Galatians chapter 4. The Word of God tells us that God has sent the Spirit of His Son. Hallelujah. And as a result of the presence of the Spirit of His Son, who of course is the Holy Spirit, we can say, Abba, Father, is an indication of the level of intimacy that we share with God. The Apostle Peter says that we are sharers of His divine nature on account of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. Now it's incumbent on me, through my human spirit, always to live in the awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now when I don't, what happens? I quit him. Because remember, we've already established that the reason why he is here is to keep us connected with God's program. Your human spirit connects you to the here and now. Is that right? Yes. As a matter of fact, if you were to remove the human spirit from me, I would be no more. It means that I would be automatically disconnected with the here and now. Man, that's what death is all about. It is a separation of the spirit from the... You know it. The spirit is what gives you life. Man? Now, when we take that formula and translate it in the spirit dimension, it is the spirit of God that gives us spiritual life in relation to God. So, if we are going to be vitally effective as it relates to representing God and communicating God to the world, it means that we need to live in awareness of the spirit of God that lives inside of us. Now, the reason why I, I choose to speak around this, this subject here is because of what has been happening to me. 
you know, there are times in the middle of nowhere, I'll be doing something, and the intensity of which the Spirit of God speaks through me, it breaks me down. Look at the problem. I had this experience for the week where I was actually at work, and um, I was just thinking and meditating on, on how much more effective Christians can be today. And I broke down and I began crying. Because the Spirit is actually saying to me that I have gifted every one of you with the ability and the capacity to make a difference where you are. But you're not doing it. And I began to cry. And I, when, I, when, I, when I talk about crying, I was literally sobbing. So right then and then, that area where I was working, the people came in, and I was in that state. <laughs> but thank God, I was covered with perspiration, so it masked my tears, you know? But I'm saying this to say to us, that we must live in immediately communion with the Spirit of God in order to grow in our sensitivity to Him, which by extension, the program of God. You see, we cannot afford any longer to downplay the relevance of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers today. That's what we've done too long. You know, it's almost like we live our lives oblivious of the very presence of the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, the Spirit of God is He who tells us that we are not our own. What does that really mean? In other words, we are no more to subject ourselves to the desires of the natural spirits. Amen? Listen to what the word of God puts it. If you are now awakened to God, do what? Seek those things which are above. In other words, it's saying your attention and your affection must be directed to God, but that can only be done through the recognition of the Spirit of God in our lives. In other words, we have to make ourselves available to the ministry of the Spirit in order that we can be effective in the kingdom of God. Yeah? It gets us past what we call feelings. So I am no more moved by feelings as it relates to the things of God, but I'm moved by the impulsive and the energy of the Spirit of God. So that even when I do not have what it takes in my natural physical body to do what I really want to do, the Spirit of God energizes me. Now, I have to understand that it's against the backdrop the Apostle Paul said this, I can do, you know the scriptures, all things to Christ that strengthens me. What does that really mean? Huh? It means everything that relates or pertains to the program of the kingdom of God as assigned to me, I can do it. Every one of us in our department, according to the allotment of the Spirit of God in His grace, have given us certain giftings and certain abilities and certain talents, and it provides us the opportunity, but guess what? We cannot be effective if the Spirit of God does not activate us. 
So that every day we walk past those opportunities, but we are just so insensitive that we don't respond to them. Or if we do respond to them, we respond to them from the standpoint of the natural. And that's exactly what, and I, I just want to invite you when you go home to read the, the passage that we read this morning. You know? Now, Jesus made mention of this, and he said the reason why that you are not messing up more than you've messed up is because I'm with you. Alright? Now, notice what I'm doing here. I'm using language that we can relate to. You know? The reason why that you are not messing up more than you've been messing up is because I'm with you. But now I'm about to leave you. What happens to you? Jesus said you're going to become so discouraged and so offended that you walk away. And it didn't take long. As a matter of fact, even in Jesus' very presence, <laughs> when the robber hit the road, Peter said to that damsel, I do not know this minister. I just do not know this guy. I've never had an association with him. Can you imagine? Now, the amazing thing about this, this particular narrative is that just when Peter said it the last time, he made eye contact with Jesus. <laughs> you know why? Because this was a reminder to him that without Jesus, it was just impossible for him to stand. You didn't see what I'm saying here. Without the Holy Spirit of God, it is impossible for us to stand in respect of our whole scripture we know. Eh? It doesn't matter how much you are in the scriptures. If the Spirit of God is not the energy behind activating you to respond rightly, you will keep making a mess of yourself. Some of us in private, some of us in public. Is that right? So what he's saying to us here that it's imperative that every day of our lives, and I, I shouldn't even say every day, every moment of our lives, we live in the awareness that the Spirit of God is He who directs us. The Spirit of God is the coordinator of God's program. He is the one that ensures that it goes according to God's design. And the reason why today we have so much faction, so much division, so much fracture in the body of Christ is because too many of us want to assume the place of the Holy Spirit. We know so much that if it's not done our way, we better go another way. Yes. But the Spirit of God is also known as the Spirit of unity. Somebody help me here. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that there is one spirit. And that one spirit is about one program. And as a result of that spirit's program in our lives, we are not able to be together. Remember the word of God says to us that it is the spirit of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body. Are you there with me? If your head is not functional, if your head is not operating the right way, what happens to you? The body gets messed up. The body gets confused. The body gets disoriented. It's the same in the spirit. If we are disconnected from our head through the spirit, we get disorganized. One person wants to go this way with your program. 
or their point of view or, or, or their interpretation. Let me say something to you. There are no more than one interpretation to God's word. One. And the Holy Spirit is the one responsible for giving us the understanding of the right interpretation of God's word so that we can be together. How do I know that? From chapter 14 all the way to chapter 17 of St. John. Chapter 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Jesus embarked on constantly reminding the disciples that they must love one another. One of the essential components of love is togetherness, unity. Alright? You are not talking the language of love if you have not determined to make sacrifices that will result in oneness. That's what the word of God keeps saying to us. Stop thinking that you know so much. Because that's what messed you up. Acknowledge in all your ways the Lord. In our context here, acknowledge the Spirit. Oh, somebody help me here. And you will be able to love. So the Holy Spirit's purpose in our lives is to remind us, one, that we're not our own, and two, that God has a mandate for his children. And that is the only way that we're going to be effective in being the light to this world is through our oneness. Now, I want to bring something to our attention, an observation that I've had from my sons. The times that we live today, there is a whole lot more preaching. Are you getting me here? Than the first century church. A lot more preaching. But look at the results in comparison to the first century church. The Bible made mention of thousands who respond to the preached word. Do you know why today? Well, I have concluded that one of the reasons why we do not see that mass movement into the body of Christ is because we say one thing, which is that we preach, but we do not live the life reflective of what we preach. Let me see if I can dissect it. I didn't count the amount of times that Jesus said to his apostles, love one another. But from chapter 14, and that's the homework I'm going to give you. Go home and take time out. Alright? And discover from this portion of scriptures the how many times Jesus said to the disciples, love one another. And the reason why Jesus did it is because loving one another, which produces unity, is foundational to the effectiveness of evangelism. Hmm? By this, shall all men know that you are if you okay let us see what happens there my wife and i shared it and i'm just going to show it to you there are so many churches in a small location who claim the same jesus yeah, we can work together. That's something to think about. 
No, you know the result of that. If Jesus is one, God is one, the Holy Spirit is one, yet those who claim to be representing him are many, it creates confusion to those that we put into. Think about it. Just something to think with me. And I want you to take that formula and put it against the success of the gospel in the book of Acts. Now you'll say, as your argument, that that was the inception of the church. Why is that this true? But at the very commencement of the church, one of the max qualities of the children of God was their unity. The Bible also tells us that in the last days, and that's the Bible tells us in the last days men shall become lovers of their now what does that result in? This unity. You see, I'm using this to say to you that the moment you realize that there is an inclination in you to fight against the body or to fight against your brother and sister, you need to take a step or two back and assess yourself. Because if you don't do that, the enemy will produce an excuse that makes you feel justified if you do what you do. There are whole of folk who are not in church this morning because of just that. And the definition of the biblical definition of this is pride and conceit. Whenever we do not pay attention to the voice of the Spirit of God inside of us, that's what the result is going to be. The Spirit of God enables us to kill itself. Huh? Okay? The theological term for that is mortification. We, through the Spirit, must do what? Mortify. In other words, constantly put to death. It actually means to mutilate. Eh? It's like through the Spirit, you are mercilessly killing the old man. You spare him no chance, because if you allow him, he's going to destroy the body of Christ. And incidentally, that is the subject of the program of the kingdom of darkness. is to destroy the body of Christ. And as long as he keeps us in a state of confusion, he knows that we lack the effectiveness in the preaching. Amen? So don't forget this. The Holy Spirit of God in your life and in my life, he does what? He brings us into constant conformity to God's program. He points us to Jesus. He points us away from ourselves. Because the truth about it is we cannot see Jesus when we, see, when we are seeing ourselves. Let's go to say that again. We cannot see Jesus when our sight is cast on ourselves. There's something about me that tells me I'm good enough. There's something about me that tells me that it's all right to do what I do until the Spirit of God sheds light on me. I realize that I'm a rebel. I am conceited. I am proud. And all of these are 
anti the kingdom of God. They're against the kingdom of God. So if these things are operating in my life, it means that I can't be effective in the kingdom. So therefore, if I want to be effective through the spirit, I must kill them. No, no, no. I don't want us to think that I'm picking on anyone because the truth about it is this is true of every one of us. I'll tell you how the Apostle Paul puts it. Whenever I intend to do good, evil is always present. <laughs> you remember when he said that? And the reason why he said that to us is because man is about the pursuit of his glory and his satisfaction. And anytime you do that, you are doing it at the expense of God's glory. I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge us today. This is God's word. It is vitally important to the Spirit's work in our lives. And we must make a concerted effort. I don't know how much effort that you put into it. But we must make a more concerted effort to spend more time in God's word. Oh, well, you miss me. You miss me. Because you see, the Spirit can work in you without the Word of God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 That the Word of God is the raw material that we need to have inside of us in order that when the Spirit wants to work, He works for us. And you get to be here. So, from what I just said, I'm concluding that God is on a program of using his word by way of the strength of the spirit to mold us into the product that he wants us to be. The theological term for that is sanctification. It's wisdom. And where sanctification is concerned is a moment by moment process in our lives every day. Time will not allow me to go through all the scriptures, but I just want to show you one of them. Let's look at the book of Romans, chapter 8. Oh Lord have mercy. Amen. We're going to begin reading from verse 1. Alright? Now, reading from the English Standard Version is my preferred version of the Bible. That's that's what I'm reading here. This, there is therefore now no condemnation. And before I go any further, let me just tell you why this is my preferred version. The reason why the English Standard Version is my preferred version is because when I read the King James Version, where I am today in relation to our development as human beings, the English Standard Version uses a language that is more accessible. In other words, it takes words like 
conversation which back then was our conduct and it brings it up to speak to where I'm now, which is the way I speak. Alright? Alright? Now, I'm not seeking to offend anyone. You have a right to your choice, but I'm just telling you why. Okay. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The King James Version says, who walks not after the flesh, but walks after the spirit. Some clarification there. Those who are in Christ Jesus cannot walk after the flesh. Something to think about. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's why in Christ, those who are in Christ can no more walk after the flesh. It's because of the Holy Spirit of God that is in you. The in Christ here actually means that you are now translated from a domain and a kingdom where you operate under the law of sin and death. Somebody help me here. Before your conversion, you did not have a choice in the matter. You were a slave to sin. As by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for all have sin. But here we have the last Adam, which is Christ. In Christ, we are delivered from the law and the principle of sin. So that the man who is in Christ no more walks according to the law of sin and death. But rather, on the contrary, he walks according to the law of righteousness, which leads to life. Oh, somebody needs to hear me here today. Because that's what I'm laboring to bring to our attention here. The word is saying to us here, notice this here. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. The law of the Lord is perfect. But the extent in which the law was sent to operate is imperfect. Which is the human person. Is that right? So why is the law is perfect, but because we are imperfect, we cannot keep the law. Because the law is one unit, and if you violate in one aspect of it, you are guilty of all. Now notice how that develops here. God has changed the formula by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. What does the scripture say here to me? It means that I am no more a slave to sin on account of the transaction that Jesus did. And what Jesus did in essence was to take my witness upon himself so that through his strength I can be made perfect in God. Huh? And then of a sudden ago we dealt with the issue of the happy position of the child of God. And that's where we are. Our new form status. 
which was not determined by work of righteousness that we could have done. We could have done it. As a matter of fact, the best I could produce under my own nature was still filled. Because it was coming from a broken, sinful nature. Is that right? Yes. Now, I want you to have a perspective here. And that is, if you are comparing yourself with other men, you might be able to score yourself sometimes. Are you getting me here? Because some of us, we have some good manners, you know. But the moment you begin to look upwards, <laughs> you don't stand a chance. You understand? Oh, somebody help me here. I mean, on the horizontal, it's all right. But vertical is different. God requires from us a righteousness of his own which does not have an origin in sinfulness. Now the Bible tells us when you look from amongst men, there was absolutely none that qualified. Not one. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Remember this brother who came before his riches? Remember huh? Jesus' response to him? Very simple. Jesus knows what brought him to cross. Just for the process. Because both sides, what we present is not who we really are. But Jesus is beyond what I present. This is the heart. Oh, somebody help me here. Oh, hallelujah. The word says that I'm always naked, transparent. In other words, what does Kuke say? That when God looks at me, he sees hmm. And what he sees, he sees motives. He sees my intentions. All right? I might be very good at masking them as it relates to people of my form, humans. But where God is concerned, I can mask it. That's why the word of God tells us that whatever we do, we must spend our sojourning time here in fear of Him. Is that right? Because the God that we call upon is a God who is of no respect of person. Amen? And I usually punctuate it by saying, if he did not spare his son, and why he didn't spare his son, have you ever asked yourself a question? Why didn't God spare his son? Apart from his eternal plan that was determined long before we were. You see, God's eye is too pure to behold sin. And the reason why his son came was to do what? Somebody help me here. The Bible says he was made sin for us. Or oh, somebody help me here. In other words, our sin was placed upon him. And I can hear Jesus saying, Father, what at this moment are you turning your eye from me? Huh? To the point where Jesus is actually saying, Father, is there a possibility that you can find another way whereby to accomplish what it is that you have determined? That's what Jesus was actually saying. And he was speaking here surely from the standard or the stance of the human. Are you there with me? Yes. But, but what Jesus 
Jesus was actually doing here was fulfilling the good pleasure of his father. You and I today, we are the beneficiaries of that. Ah. So when the Bible says that we are working for Christ, that's what he's actually referring to. And in order to enforce that in our lives, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Oh, is that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Now, I'm going to end on somewhat a jazzy note because I, I, I intend to continue this sermon here. But because we are creatures of time, and I understand that. What do I mean by that? Our attention span can only accord with so much. Alright? And if it is given more, it is almost like passing pearls. Some say I food because wise. Alright? I'm just using biblical terms here. And, and I'm saying that to say, you will hear what you will not hear. Amen? Amen? So, as I close, I'm not going to sing the song, but I want you to pay attention to the words of this song here. And my design, my intention, is to encourage you to go back to looking at the Bible. The Bible sounds like a rock undaunted amidst the raging storms of life. Its pages burn with the truth eternal and they glow with a light sublime. The Bible sounds though the hills may tumble it will firmly stand though the earth shall tremble. I will plant my feet on its firm foundation for the Bible stands. The Bible stands like a mountain towering far above the works of man. Its truth by none ever was refuted and destroyed or and destroyed it they never can. In other words, the word of God is indestructible. The Bible stands, and the Bible will stand forever when the world has passed away. By inspiration, it has been given all its precepts and new way. The Bible stands every test we give it because its offer is divine. By grace alone, I will expect to leave it and to prove it and make it mine. It is my desire that as we live here today, something that was said will resonate in your spirit. And I know if you're a child of God and you're dwelt by the Spirit of God, it will resonate. I will encourage you to go home and read the Bible. Because the Bible is the raw material that the Spirit of God that indwells you is going to use to make you 
who he has put to speak to him for his name's sake. just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Baboni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.